Hi, I'm Oki, and welcome to Tell Me About Your Book. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tell Me About Your Book. I want you to say hi to a horror author. His name is Isaac Thorne. And before I get into it, he has created this thing. I'm going to quote him, though. It says, sin-eating demon in the disguise of Marilyn Monroe. Hi, Isaac. How are you today? <laughs> I'm great. Great. Thank you very much for having me on. And, and yes, that is, that is correct. She is a sin-eating demon disguised as Marilyn Monroe. I just wanted to start our show today with that because that alone already have me like intrigued. Like, what is this book and who is this person who has written about this, this sin eating demon? Your book is called Hell Spring. Can we go ahead and dig into it and tell me, tell me what it's about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Hellspring is about a group of small town uh, residents who get trapped in their local general store in, uh, in 1955 because of a, a terrible storm and unprecedented flooding. And ah, um, gotcha. among them, yeah, among them is a, uh, a stranger who they rescue from the storm, who looks a lot like Marilyn Monroe. Uh, she is in reality a uh, a sin-eating demon who has accidentally found her way into uh, night this small town in 1955 and is is basically looking for food. You know, she's hungry. And she's hurt. She falls into this um, this little store with these people and and uh, begins to feast, basically on all their their perceived sins and secrets. So wow. uh, so that is <laughs> yeah that's that's the basics. I feel like I could see this as an episode that like with like Tales from the Crypt or X Files type. And I'm so excited to talk to you about this. <laughs> Like, this is so cool. Can you tell me how this came about, how this started, that you wanted to do a book like this? Absolutely. My my first novel, The Gordon Place, which is, it's set in the same small town, but uh, in the present time. As I was writing it, I sort of became, um, it sort of became about of uh, social issues and and uh, social social justice issues. Mm-hmm. When I decided to do a follow up to to that, I wanted uh, I felt like I wanted to address guilt, the way it weighs on people, whether they whether they deserve to feel guilty about what they're feeling guilty about or not. I I wanted to explore how how guilt is used as a weapon. Uh, not only by other people, but by by people within themselves because of environment or upbringing or you know what have you all the all the influences on on uh, one's life there. And I thought a great way to do that might be to have these small town folks who have grown up in this very 
conservative environment, very intolerant environment, have these inner struggles that this demon is able to feed on. And because the demon has no alternative, she keeps reinforcing that guilt. So she has an endless supply of food from these these trapped individuals. So, so I wanted to to kind of explore uh, defeating your inner demon, you know, in addition to the uh, the outer demon who is uh, in the form of Marilyn. There, I like that it's not just it's not just kind of like a monster just feeding, and then that's it of the story. Which sometimes you know those stories are fun too. But there's more inner, deeper emotional storyline into this. This is really brilliant. How was it writing the difference between having to deal with the the guilt and stuff versus writing the horror part of, you know, the, the eating demon part? <laughs> How was that? <laughs> that's that's a really good question because I all of my stuff, even my short stories, which were intended to be much more of the the visceral tales from the crypt, Twilight mm-hmm. Zone, you know, creep show type thing. I love those. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all of them kind of have, you know, these social elements weaved into them, whether I did it intentionally or not, just, you know, because you bring your life experience into, into the things you write. So mm-hmm. things on my mind end up in those stories and writing the horror part of it is actually significantly easier for me than, than weaving, you know, the social elements into it because i guess uh, i don't want to say it requires less thought but because i've uh, it's kind of automatic for me because i've i've written horror for so long that was just intended to be you Mm -hmm. know straight up horror whether it ended up being that way or not so once i get to to kind of a visceral scene i mean those those just flow automatically um okay yeah, when I'm when I'm doing more story-based stuff, which is to say instead of of, you know, action, I'm I'm looking at thoughts and consequence elements and, you know, what the character might be feeling. That takes a little bit more work because you you have to you have to spend more time trying to put yourself in that character's head who although they are part of you are not exactly like you. Because if you if every character in your book is exactly like you, then then you don't have a world, you know. Right, right. I'm so fascinated. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I've always okay. really enjoy the author's like process and how you approach books. Yeah, like approach your writing mm-hmm. and things like that. But I do have to ask though: Were you writing these two different sides to this story? Why, why the Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> I'm sure you get asked that a good amount. <laughs> I do. And I started, I knew that I wanted Hellspring to be set in 1955 for a number of reasons. First of all, there was an actual flood event on the date I chose. Oh, I did some old, okay. you know, yeah, I did some old newspaper cool. research into to that to find a good era that felt realistic or, or actually had some historical basis. So, I found that date and I thought I wanted the the people trapped in the store unable to call for help. So no cell phones. They have a land 
fine. But of course, the storm has has knocked that out, as happens in uh, any area, not just rural right. areas. So it was easier to trap them in the store. And in terms of their inner struggles, I, I think in a 1950s, you know, conservative small town, the things that people want to keep secret are they feel mm-hmm. more at risk if those secrets or those sins or what they think are sins are are exposed, you know, in that time period. And the other thing, the the reason she resembles Marilyn is because Marilyn Monroe was a huge icon right. at that particular moment in history. Two of the the individuals trapped in the store are younger men who are just in awe of Marilyn Monroe. And right. they have a copy of of the famous, you know, Golden Dreams calendar she did that that for her at the time when when that you know, I, I think Playboy magazine made that public, if I remember the history right. And there was some question about whether or not the model in it was actually her. And she wow. later admitted that it was. And she did it before she was famous because she needed $50 at the time. Oh, gosh. You know? wow. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So even, even Marilyn had her own secret there you right. know, that she was keeping. So I thought I thought she tied in well with the story right. I was trying to tell and and with the era in particular. I took it as her also being a sort of guilty pleasure, you know, looking at her pictures and I also thought of her as there's a like an innocence around her and uh, like a demon disguised as as her, she becomes more a, a little bit like trustworthy, so they're more than willing to help the stranger or whatnot. That's how that's around I was thinking. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you are absolutely right because everyone in that era, you you look at at Marilyn or maybe that era. I don't know. I'm not from that era, but but right. you look at you know pictures of Marilyn Monroe now, and she has an angelic, right, um, kind absolutely. of of face, you know. So so yeah, absolutely. I think they would just seeing her even not being sure she actually is you know whether she actually is Marilyn they would uh they would automatically have some trust there not only familiar face but uh trustworthy face so how was it writing this book as being set in the 1950s especially when your your other book your first book was modern time any challenges that you had or cuz i always think like it's weird to me when people do like like a different era, I love it, of course, but it's just so interesting. That was my first attempt at at any kind of historical fiction. Most of my work, well, all of my work prior to that has been, you know, set more in the modern time with the single exception of a short story I wrote called Bedside Manor that was set in the late 70s. Of course, I remember that because I was a kid in the okay. late 70s. So uh so that wasn't so difficult, but 1955 was well before my time. It took a lot of time and a lot of research. I spent hours, you know, working on getting little details right so that reading it you'll you'll actually feel like you're in the world and or I would anyway. I I think a lot of the work I did and I kind of hope a lot of the work I did to get 
the era right the the goal being for it to to be so correct that it really doesn't get noticed you know what i'm saying oh, right yeah absolutely um, like you, the, you've already invested will, in that scenery and it just kind of flows along. Like I don't have to keep reminding myself that I'm in the 50s. Exactly, exactly. So so that's what I was going for there. And that resulted in, you know, a lot of research into to brands of, of things that were common at the time, music mm-hmm. that was common, you know, types of appliances. Gotcha. All right. things that were were important to the story, but also had to fit the era. So you have you've had short stories and books as well. How do you typically decide if it becomes like a full length novel versus a store a short story? Is there like a preference for you also? I used to prefer writing short stories just because the way the short stories start out is a climactic scene just enters my imagination and and I think well, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool you know to to write this scene once I have that scene then I have to to come up with okay well what led to this and what happens after this that mental process of mine I think works well for short stories because you already know you know what what your ultimate uh, outcome or what your your critical point is right. in the story, and getting there and exiting there. I don't know. It just it it seems to flow better with with short stories. With both of my novels, I have not had an ultimate scene in my head yet when I started oh, writing them. With I them, see. yeah, with them, I would have an idea of a, an opening, for example, or kind of a general idea of a series of events that mm-hmm. that could occur that that could change someone's life or change their mind you know about certain issues or or affects them in in some way that that either takes them down a path of destruction or or a path of life that's kind of how i know (laughs) you know when when my story idea is going to either be a short story or a novel what i'm imagining seems like a climactic scene is probably going to be a short story short story oh that's really interesting to hear your process in that actually (laughs) can you tell me what we can expect from hell spring now we already kind of know the the base of the story and some expectations from the demon and things like that. But ultimately, what should we expect or how should we take this story besides the the pure entertainment? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Basically, the, the point, it's really a story about the damage that we do to ourselves and to each other with our judgments. And the guilt, um, right, gotcha. Yeah. And the guilt, exactly. We all, as individuals, feel like we're the center of a universe, right? <laughs> and sometimes sometimes it's difficult to, to look at another person who is vastly different from you and, and understand that that person is not wrong for being different from you gotcha right or you know they they don't go to church or they go to a different church or or, you know they don't have the same uh sexual preferences or or Mm -hmm. whatever 
it's really a story about about that about learning to accept people for who they are and not who you want them to be but i like the fact that you put in a horror element to it because this is this is like your expertise in writing horror stories i really enjoy that and i really appreciate that what can you tell me more about you as an author as an author well i'm i'm an independent author i've mm-hmm. i've been a writer for uh decades now <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> decades no, but, I think uh, it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but my my venture into actually publishing fiction, you know, I I've when I was in college, I had a few short stories, you know, published in in small literary magazines, but it wasn't until I think 2012, 2013 when I I decided, you know, the publishing industry had changed so much. Mm-hmm. And people's reading habits and and buying habits had changed so much that I felt comfortable, more comfortable finally, you know, putting some of my fiction out there. So it's really only been since, since 2013 that I've, I've been um, this author, you know, I've always written, but, but most of it was mainly, you know, for me (laughs) And, and just to see if I could. Well, I'm glad that you send these out to the world and we get our hands on it because just your approach to writing these stories, I like that it's not just simply gore and, you know, weird aliens and stuff, even though those are fun too, but I like that there's more into it than that. So thank you for that. (laughs) Absolutely. What are some future plans now that Hellspring has been out? Well, uh, I'm already working on the next novel. Um, Yay. <laughs> and I, I don't have a title. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, I guess, about 25,000 words into it at this point. And, and so far, I like where it's going. So <laughs> I'm glad. We'll That's see. cool. But yeah, I'm, I'm working on the next one. I, I hope to have... I hope to have it out sometime in uh, the first half of 2024, hopefully, um, if everything continues to go well. But can you tell us if it's like a short story or a collection or another novel? Or It's another novel. It's, uh, it's actually going to be the third novel set in uh, the little town of Lost Hollow. But uh, once again, a different time period and, and different characters. Do you enjoy having them set in the same city or the same kind of middle America kind of thing? Is that, is that a great attraction to your writing? Um, it is. And it's, it's because it's how I grew up. I'm from a small town. I, I still live in a, in a rural area. It's a familiar environment to me. And, and by familiar, I mean that I not only, you know, see the, the positives about it, but I know the negatives. Ooh, you know, I, right. I grew up with them. And so it's something I'm comfortable writing about because it's something I know. Right. I think it's well, absolutely. There's something about small town and like a group of people going through something like this, like the whole spring, because you get to explore the characters so much deeper. That's how I always feel when I read about small towns and stuff. I don't know what it is about that. I think it's really attractive. So <laughs> I think that that appeals to even even if you're you know from a large town, you know, right. born there and and lived there, 
you still within that town, you have your own community, you know, you grow Mm -hmm. up around a specific group of people. So I think everybody can relate in some way to, to the small town environment, uh, if not entirely in, in the one I experienced. So how has it been since you published Hell Spring? Because you're definitely on social media, which I really think is awesome. But how has it been? <laughs> uh, it's been interesting. It's it's definitely gotten more attention um, than my previous stuff, and uh, and for that I'm very very grateful. It, it it seems like every time I I put you know a work out there, it's it's a new experience. It's it's never quite the same. Hellspring has been out since. September of last mm-hmm. year. And I'm always interested to read uh, what people have gotten out of it. There are people who have gotten things out of it that I didn't even, you know, consider when I was writing it. And a lot of times I'm I'm reading something and and I'm like, wait, that their take on it is is just to me, it feels like they read a different book, <laughs> you know, and that's that's absolutely fine. I I love hearing what people are are able to take from it. What versus what my or what I think my intention was when uh, when when writing it. That's probably the the biggest thing that's that's affected me since its release. I love hearing about how others react on what we write about or what we talk about once we read the book. Isaac, where can we get your books? You can find my books uh, pretty much anywhere you buy ebooks and physical books. My short story collection, Road Kills, uh, and both of my uh, novels are available in physical and ebook form. All the stuff I released prior to to Road Kills is ebook only. So you can get all that at my site, isaacthorne.com, uh, or Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, Google Play, anywhere you can can buy them. Can you tell me a little bit about Road Kills, your short story collection? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Road Kills actually compiles a lot of the the stories that I released as singles before you know, I, I felt like I had enough that I wanted to put a collection out, plus a couple of bonuses that uh, I have never released as singles. So it's eleven stories, and I one of the the stories um, is immediately followed by a, a screenplay adaptation I did of it. Um, oh, cool! Just to yeah, to kind of try my hand at that. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's road kills. That is so interesting. I like your portfolio so far. This is so vastly like so entertaining. But I want to say thank you to you that you've made some time to come talk to me about your books. That this is so cool, and and especially telling me about this sin eating demon in Hellspring. <laughs> Any last minute thing you want to tell us before we go? Uh, just you can find me on uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Mastodon at Isaac R. Thorn. Um, and that is Thorn with an E. You have to say that a lot, huh? <laughs> I do have to say that a lot. <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you again. Just digging deep into this world of yours with with the 1950s setting or even your other books or the short collection. I'm so fascinated about 
your work. And thank you, Isaac, for coming by today. And I'll talk to you next time. I hope we get to talk to you again, or I get to talk to you again when your next book comes out early next year, right? Early next year. That's right. That's right. And thank you very much for having me on. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And I have it in recording right now that that you promise that you'll come back. So <laughs> you didn't say yes yet, but <laughs> yep, still. I, I, I will be back. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in, uh, in concrete there. I will be Yay. back. Okay. Well, thank you, Isaac. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you for everything. Okay. Bye. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me About Your Book. All the other information from this episode will be in the show notes. Please support indie authors as well as indie bookstores. And of course, the other podcasts, Books, Cats, and Snacks, where me and Caddy talk about all things books and, well, her cats too. See you then. Bye.